click here, click here. This is Working the Beat. It is Tuesday night, October 22nd, 2019, the first night of the World Series, the night the NBA gets going. I'm Kevin Cooney along with Mike Kern. Thank you for joining us as we get you started on a brand new week here. And uh, obviously, look, we know what the major story in town is this week, and it, it was it's the chaos of the Eagles, and we will get to that later. Was the Flyers winning the game? Scoring five goals. Okay. If you insist. Well, they scored six. Six. By the way. If they had scored seven, it would have been our top story. It's a good thing. Their goalie played well. Yeah. Whatever. Um, And not the goalie goalie. It's a good thing this isn't called working the betting beat because (laughs) I would have to quit. That that was was not one One thing I do learn in this when you – you are going to have weeks like that. Yeah. Even though these guys come on and tell you they cover, you know, 97% of the time, whatever. Last week was just, and I've had those weeks before, like when I was picking for the daily news where you would sit there and you'd be like, Oh, and seven and your eighth. And, and then you're begging mm-hmm. just, just to win a couple, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, it happens. So on today's show, we're going to talk Sixers because they start tomorrow night against the Celtics. Uh, their regular season, a regular season of high expectations. We'll also dip into a little bit of the Phillies managerial search, which could be ending on Thursday. We'll talk to John Johnson from 94 WIP and KYW News Radio, who covers both teams. And Northeast Philly. And Northeast Philly. And we'll add him into the Northeast Philly pizza mix here. Um, so we'll talk to him. Obviously, a lot of excitement about the Sixers. Sixers, one of the co favorites, I would say, in the East with Milwaukee. As the season begins, um, and the Eagles were one of the co-favorites, and yeah, <laughs> which I, I, look, I've been through this so many times. And I try to tell people all the time. I think it's legit with the Sixers. I, I think they're one of the top two teams, and maybe another team will emerge. I said Boston scares me because nobody's talking about, but them and Milwaukee seem like they're the two best teams. But they are going to be playing a new style of basketball. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different, mm-hmm. um, and it might take a while. It might not. You know, this team might not start out. 35 and 10. No. But I don't care. It's about, you want to get the home court advantage. I get it. But it's what you're doing. It's like the the Raptors last year. Mm -hmm. They sat Kawhi like 20 games. They were a team built for that. It's making sure that Embiid and Simmons and Horford and all them are ready to go when the bell sounds in in April and May. So that's basically what the Sixers season has become. And and that's that, that's problematic because that means for the next five months you really have nothing mm-hmm. to, you know, get whatever about. Yeah, but that's okay. Uh, so we'll talk to John about that. Then we'll touch on the fiasco in Dallas, and I think more even than the loss in Dallas, we'll talk a little bit about all the other circus elements that have gone into this Eagles uh, season so far, culminating with the Aguilar play the other night. The the is Alshon Jeffrey the mole conversation? The the idea that they're just not so, so really good right now. That, that's the only thing that matters is what you just said. It, 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 we'll, we'll get into that later. Forget Aguilar not reaching. I'm so sick of this. He okay, so he didn't whatever for whatever reason. I don't. They were down thirty to ten. I don't care what Aguilar did at that point. It, it that that's just 
goofy stuff for Channel 6 or Channel 3 or Channel 10 to show you a video on Tuesday night because they got nothing better to show you. I understand that's how our business works. I get it. However, however, I'm glad you left Fox out of that equation. So. Fox, whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying it, it, it's, 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 it's not about that. Our friend Tom Shrenshek and Kristen Ron. I love, I love Tom, by the way. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a long time. I miss He's one of the people. I, we used to have some, some good times. And while we're on the subject, before we get to John Johnson, um, let's send some get well wishes out uh, to a former colleague of yours. I hate sending get well because it means somebody's not. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And and a mentor to me in Ted Solari, who is under the weather right now. Um, We hope Ted is going to bounce back soon. Uh, Ted is one of the all time classic reporters in this town. Nobody covered the high school being in Philadelphia quite like Ted. Forget and high schools. Any beat. I will tell you this, and, and I was really lucky at the Daily News because I, there were some people, I've always maintained that nobody put more into their beat than Ted Solari. Cared more. But I'll tell you who was right there with them was Phil Jasner. Yeah. Phil Jasner was the consummate professional. Mm-hmm. And, um, but Teddy just loved what he did. Yeah. And I thought he was better. I used to tell him this, like they would send him down to the Phillies every now and again or whatever. I thought he wrote better because I thought when he wrote for the kids, he wrote differently. Right. But he wrote for the kids. That's mm-hmm. Teddy controlled <laughs> the public league would call him up and say, Hey Ted, when should we play the quarterfinals? Yeah, I'm, Trust me. <laughs> you know that. Because I know that <laughs> I was part of that crew that used to go all over the place. Yeah. So Ted is, Ted is, uh, Resting comfortably. Mm-hmm. Ted is going to be okay. Hoping to go see him in the next couple of days. Um, yeah, but just want to let him know that we're all thinking of him. Uh, Ted, by the way, was at my graduation party. At least so were you last I, year from college. It was great to see him. Yeah. yeah I don't see Ted. When, when you leave places, you don't see people as much as you would like to. Right. And I'm as bad as about that as anybody. I, and I, I'm guilty. But Ted was, I mean, and Ted and I spent many nights because I was doing the suburbs for a while while he was doing the city. Yep. And we were two of the few people that went into the office a lot. <laughs> so we there was a lot of nights where we would be in the office together. Right. And Ted was Ted, man. Yep. The Ink Man. The Ink Man. As they used to call him in the pub. The Ink Man's coming. <laughs> All right. We'll start, though, with John Johnson. Uh, he will talk Sixers and the Little Phillies. We'll get into Joe Girardi. Uh, that's next here on Working the Beat. Joining us now from 94 WIP and KYW News Radio, the man who covers both the Sixers, which I think is his primary love, and the Phillies all season long. He's a very busy man. He's a Northeast Philadelphia product. He will weigh in, I'm sure, on the great pizza debate. It's John Johnson. John, how are you? What's up, Kev? What's up, Mike? I'll say this. About 15 years ago, when I was doing a lot of IP, John was one of the great people. I would look forward because he did a lot of producing. We had some good times. <laughs> no, just just rem- shooting the crap or whatever the heck we were doing. The the off the no. air stuff was better, right? Oh no, it, all, the stuff <laughs> off the air is always better. I still have Kev. I still have years ago. Uh, you know when Mike's covering the PGA, um, he covered the Masters at uh, was it Medina? Did I give was you Medina? No, that was PGA Medina. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you you got you got me a great hat. I still have it today. Wow, that was boy, that was years ago. That oh, um, well, I'm trying. 2006, 
Might have been 2006. Everybody has yeah. some sort of golf memorabilia from Kern, I believe. I, that's what I did, man. I, I, I went to golf tournaments and bought stuff. I got back. a master's tie upstairs. You got a master's tie? You gave it to me. I don't remember who I give everything to. Yeah. Ty's a good one. All right. But, all right. Before we get into the busy stuff, your favorite pizza place there, John. Are we going far? So my favorite pizza place, if I'm thinking, I'm, I am thinking specifically far northeast. Yes. And uh, there's about five or six places that come to mind. I love Santucci's, but they're so expensive. Yes, they're they insanely, are. It, it's highway robbery what they charge for a pizza. Um, pizza City's been there forever. I can't believe they still have a cigarette machine in there, which is <laughs> <fascinating>. <laughs> Anytime you go in there, I can't keep my eyes off it. Um, but because I think I grew up on this uh, more so than Pizza City, Pat's Pizza is my favorite. Yeah, and that's actually my favorite of the group up here. You're right. Have, have, you, have you had Vince's? I've had Vince's. I like Vince's a lot. Okay. There's one thing that you always have to keep in mind that people forget with pizza. The moment you put it in a cardboard box, it oh. ruins the pizza. Oh, yeah. it does. Yeah. Yeah, because you have it, to go. You have to go to the location to get the pizza off the pan because it tastes completely different. Now, now, if we included lower northeast, you made it sound like there might be somebody Tony's? a little further down that you would really like. Yeah, I mean, I like Tony's. There's a couple different places. It's just you know how it is, especially in in the northeast. You go with mm. what's convenient, and you usually sure. have like three or four spots around you. So. That's why Pat's was always the go-to for me, and it was closest to home. So that's one of those things you get used to. You know the great thing about this argument, the debate, or whatever you want to call it? There's no right or wrong answer. You see, the I thing mean, is, though, Johnson has done some of the Macnow food uh, yeah. uh, things, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, we did the, I did the last one with him, the chocolate hunt. Uh, oh, God, that could be. Yeah, I mean, so if we do do this, I, I think Johnson has to be part of the, the judging committee. But he makes a good point, though. If like the way to really do this, you narrow it to maybe ten. Let's say, yeah, I'm just throwing a number out there. You got to go to these places and eat it. You can't like bring ten in here in cardboard boxes. It's not the same. No, he's not, he's yeah, absolutely right. Different. Yeah, it changes the, the entire chemistry of the pizza. Let alone make it all soggy. Yeah. I'll give you a per- Tony's is a perfect example of that. Yeah, when you get right. it from Tony's oh, yeah. right out of the oven, it's awesome. It and then I mean it travels well. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the same. No. Exactly. All right, John. Um, I'm trying to think. Speaking of not the same. Not the same. Um, this is not the same Sixer team coming in. Uh, no. That, that you saw on that court in Toronto last year after game seven. Uh, you're, you've been down there a ton here during the exhibition season and all that. What's your initial snap reaction when you see this roster that came out today? But before you answer that, what do you like the Brett Brown no beard look? I love it. <laughs> Uh, I think he looks yeah, like yeah. 10 years younger. <laughs> he's Well, since he became head coach, he's aged in dog years. Yeah, so that's I true. I hear you, point. Jack. I hear you, Jack. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, I mean, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's very different than the one that the season ended in Toronto. The subtraction of J.J. Redick is far greater than people will ever give it credit for. They ran so much of their offense around him. He's, he, uh, in the short period that he was here, he was one of the greatest three-point shooters the franchise ever had. And he did it so sh- just such a unique form. It could do running threes, which nobody else can, in the NBA could ever do. The relationship he had with Joel Embiid was um, second to none. They had the best on-court relationship. 
And then you subtract him, you subtract Jimmy Butler, who bailed the team out multiple times, uh, close out the regular season and at times in the playoffs, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, you change a couple other things up and now you have this brand new starting five. It's it's it, it's going to take time to figure things out. I'll put it to you that way. But before we go on to the current group, do you think they misread the Redick interest market, whatever uh, last offseason? And how much could they really pay for that? I think they misread it a little bit uh, because JJ had said multiple times that the proximity of Philly to Brooklyn was really important to him. And he realized how important he was in Philly and kind of expected at some point the Sixers to come forward with an offer. And obviously uh, New Orleans came forward with a, a very lucrative offer for a guy of his age. And he had said that, you know, the Sixers never came back and, counter offered so I, I think he was a little disappointed the Sixers I'm, I'm assuming felt they could just have that he would wait for them and then whatever was left over financially to fit within the cap they would offer to him but I don't blame him for not waiting around and for a guy his age it's a lot of money and it mm -hmm. will it, it's it's a mistake by the Sixers a huge mistake by Brett Brown the front office to kind of oh you know we'll be all right we'll find we'll find the three-point shooting otherwise because that's that's going to be a problem with the, the current team John in, in uh, on that point, they're going to play a style that is both different than what a lot of NBA teams play, because it was like kind of we're going to copy, try to copy Golden State. We're going and also a style that that Brett Brown doesn't really want to play, but yet they're going to do it, and they might be successful doing it. Is that going to be, you know, when you try to do things against the grain of what everybody's doing, is is that an easy thing to do? It's never easy to do. The NBA has become a shooter's league. It has been a game of three-point shooting and long twos uh, with some with guys that aren't nest, that aren't pushing seven foot tall. And the Sixers, obviously, as you're pointing out, are going the exact opposite, where the smallest guy in their starting five is six foot six, and he's pushing six foot seven. So they have a huge starting five. And I will say this: they're going to be uh, a, a tremendous defensive team. I mean, they have five excellent defenders in that starting five. They could be something we haven't seen in a very, very long time on an NBA floor to be that dominant defensively. Having said that on the offensive end, it's going to be a struggle, you know, because it's a shooter's league. You really don't have many shooters in the starting five Embiid can create his own shot. We know that, but that's not what you want him doing. You want him in the paint and bullying around and getting the sure points, getting to the line stuff that he's great at. And occasionally, hitting something from the perimeter, just, uh, you know, once in a blue moon. Al Horford was brought in to be not just the insurance policy for Joel Embiid, uh, but to contribute and be a, a veteran leader who's been through it and back, been in the league many, many years. You're going to have him pulling up and attempting threes, four and five a game, and you don't want that. And then you obviously have Tobias Harris, who's a, a boy you're hoping he turns into something that you haven't seen at this point. You paid him accordingly uh, to be that guy. Ben Simmons, we know the question marks about his shooting. And so really, of that starting five, your only true perimeter shooter is Josh Richardson. And, I, you know, that's a lot to put on one person to be that guy all the time. So I, that's your only guarantee, but he's nothing, not even close to what J.J. Redick was. Well, John, I hate using this example. And a couple of people I brought this example up to have kind of crinkled their nose and, and look like they've drank sour milk. Are they going to try to win a title in 2020 trying to play the way like the Riley era Knicks did back in the mid nineties? I mean, it didn't work then, 
but the league was so much different because the three-point shot wasn't nearly as big. I mean, this seems like it's just way, way behind the time If in a way. Yeah, this is very – it's the first thing that I thought of as well. It reminds me of the 90s Knicks. This is – they want to play, as Brett said, bully ball. I mean, this Ga- games in the 90s, games in the 90s, game, you know, where you're holding the opponents maybe into the 80s. Is that fair? Yeah. It's very fair to say, and that's basically what's going. It's going to be a season. You know, most of the regular season is going to be them trying to figure out who they are, and trying to figure out how to distribute the ball properly. Who you know, who can do what the best. It's going to be a lot of trial and error throughout the regular season, and it's a very risky roster um, building that they have done here to try to make it work. You know, some is miscalculation. Some is, I, I, I don't know. I, I questioned a lot of the moves that they made during the offseason. They have a ton of professionals on this team, a lot of experience. There's a lot of money invested in it. But it, it's to say that they're, I mean, their calling card is going to be defense. And then let's see if we can make the offense work. It's yeah, um, one of the things, and I don't know all these guys because I've been so into the other sports. The bench seems like they've made an effort to make the bench better. Because that was kind of one of the, the criticisms last year was they really didn't go that deep. Um, so they were depending on five, six, seven guys. What do you think? Is the, is the bench going to be better? Is it going to give – because you have guys in the starting lineup that you figure are going to play a lot of minutes. I mean, Harris, uh, Simmons, Embiid. Uh, so where does that kind of fit in as far as when you get into the reserves? Well, one of my um, concerns remains the bench. And – because your reserves, you don't have James Ennis, uh, who uh, was acquired last year, decided to come back here. Was offered more money elsewhere, but wanted to come back back to Philly. That's great, and he he I would say unequivocally is a very good bench player. Who's a perimeter shooter. He's hot and cold like most bench guys, but he's uh, a great team player. Mike Scott, uh, fans love Mike Scott. He's become a fan favorite. But to be perfectly honest, he's okay. He's nothing more than okay. He's very hot and cold, and fans like him and all. But as a basketball player, you know, you're you're flipping a coin at times because if he's hot, he's hot. If he's cold, he is ice cold. And the bench, I got to be honest, I'm not thrilled with the bench. This is mm-hmm. going to have to be, let's see how it plays out. And you have several – one of the biggest concerns this team, one of the question marks that myself and others covering the team had uh, throughout this camp and, and uh, the exhibition period is who's the backup point guard? For Ben, we know Ben's going to play a lot of minutes, but you know, in those 15 minutes, he's 13 to 15 minutes, he's not in the game. That's a long time to go. Who is that backup? And Brett Brown really didn't have an answer. He claims he has an answer now, but he, he didn't. He wouldn't divulge to us who it is. And given your options, you don't have anybody. They they. What are the great. options, John? Well, you really have you have four options. You have Josh Richardson, who is your wing on offense on your starting five, and maybe closer to the playoffs that will be the case because you need more of a guarantee, and we'll right. see. But that can't that can't be at the start of the season. And then here's your other options. You have Trey Burke, who the team acquired in late July, who didn't have a job, and from what I've seen of him, he looks like a, a process era sixer, one of the gypsies that Brett Brown would refer to. Wow. He's nothing special. He can't really do much. Um, he's he, he's not a good shooter. He's he's not a very good floor general. Um, you have Raul Neto, uh, who was acquired, who's not very good at all. And then you have who I think might be getting a bulk of the minutes behind Simmons. Um, uh, you have um, all of a sudden I'm going to draw a blank on his name. Who the team um, 
drafted, and then um, Zaire Smith. Come, no, oh, Zaire is inactive. By the way, yeah, I saw uh, that. Zaire That's not good. Is, no, he's he's not nearly as far. Uh, Shake Milton is who I was thinking of. Right. Uh, Shake Milton is going to be on. You know, they signed him to a, a multi-year contract, and he. I, does an okay job. He's young, so it's a lot of exp- learning on the job. But given their options, unfortunately, he is possibly their best one. So he may see considerable minutes as the season plays out. But at, when it comes to Zaire Smith, Zaire Smith's inactive. He's still extremely raw. Thank goodness for Matisse Thibel. Otherwise, everybody would be saying, what happened to Zaire Smith? He's not going to play at all. You're going to start him in the G League? So, um, yeah, the backup guard. Uh, position is going to be it's going to be a challenge for this team wow it's almost like howie roseman drafted him um <laughs> yeah that was a dig i'm sorry um <laughs> how he won a super bowl well just i mean i'm just saying i understand yeah uh apparently wh- sometimes you don't <laughs> i'm just i'm just joking <laughs> i'm sorry i i still have images of nelson aguilar alligator arming it the other night but anyway <laughs> um how different does Embiid look body type wise? And in, in a perfect world, how many games does he play? Embiid does look more uh, felt. Is felt a good word? I guess felt's a good word. He looks more. He looks more lean. Um, he, he looks more lean than he has in the past. I know he spent uh, a portion of his off season, you know, completely changing his diet around. And I mean, the stories of Embiid. Wow, that over the years um, that have led to the questioning of his conditioning and his diet were, right. I mean, the stories in Kansas are legendary of him eating entire brownie trays at these, you know, catering halls and just eating late night Taco Bell in the middle of the season. Could be a sports this writer. Is, right, this is into his NBA career as a 76er. Mm-hmm. Um, but he completely changed his diet around. He lost a few pounds. He lost 20 pounds. Uh, and then he put on some muscle. He looks good. Uh, in an ideal world, one of the ideas of bringing in Al Horford was so that way you have him beat as healthy as possible after 82 games because the Sixers are in the playoffs. Uh, you, know, you could have a slew of injuries. This team is good enough. They will be in the playoffs for years to come as long as Embiid and Simmons are on the roster. So the idea is to have Joel as healthy as possible when you hit the start. So ideally, you only want him playing between – you only want him playing between 60 and 65 games. You really don't. And you don't want him playing any more than that. You want him to be as close to 100% as possible. And, you know, we'll see what happens as the season plays out and uh, how his stamina holds out in the early goings. And they're going to do a lot of load management with him. And they announced that they're not going to uh, inform us um, prior to games anymore. Let's say, you know, he's fatigued a little bit. He has a sore ankle or something. And you find out he's going to play the next night. They're no longer going to divulge how many minutes they're expecting him to play. It's kind of they're instituting this new team policy. They're not going to inform anybody how many minutes guys are going to play anymore prior to a game. They said it's a competitive edge, but whatever. Are, are, uh, are, are they 65? OK, are, are they going to let you know when he's going to sit out like definitely? Or is it are people going to be surprised when they show up at the arena and Simmons is taking the night off? Well, um, we know that. Brett Brown announced to us uh, right before camp got underway that he would no longer be giving medical updates on anything whatsoever, whether it be load management or injury, that it's not his job. It's not his responsibility. He shouldn't have to. And I I can't blame him. The problem is somebody has to give us this information. Dave Scholler. 
<laughs> it'll end up being Dave Schaller being a bulk of that. And they have, you know, we get our uh, three times a day. We get an update um, from the team as who's available, who's questionable and why they are questionable, doubtful, whatever it may be. That may be how we find out. Fans will find out the last medical update before 7 o'clock game is 5.30. So you may not find out till 90 minutes before a game. But, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for fans, but it's the way they're going to do it. Hey, John, now I'm coming at this from a guy who I could care less if, if Simmons ever shoots a three in his life, let alone make one. I, I don't really care. But I do care that he maybe has an 8 or 10 or 12 foot pull-up like we see Kawhi Leonard use so effectively, and I'm not suggesting you should use it like Kawhi, but something like, what are we going to see, or what do you think we're going to see out of Ben this year in terms of shooting, and I'll just say the, some mid-range shots once in a while? Um, one of the first questions, I actually asked Brett Brown this when he had his lunch in prior to camp, about the importance of Ben uh, not necessarily developing, but uh, his willingness to shoot mid-range jump shots when the opportunity presents itself, because that's one of the that, that is one of the huge X factors that will determine how far the Sixers can advance. His willingness to attempt them when a defender sags off ten feet or so and says, "Go ahead, shoot it. I dare you, because I know you won't." Um, and Brett said, at the start of the season, he's not overly concerned, but as it progresses, he will kind of push the issue with Ben. Because that's what it's going to come down to. He has to be made to do it. I mean, he's he's talked a good game throughout uh, the spring or throughout the um, uh, preseason and all, saying that he, you know, he's it's going to take time and he will do it when necessary. But it's going to ultimately have to come from his teammates and the coach to say, Ben, get ahead, get ahead. That guy's ten feet off you. Get ahead. Keep the defense honest. You're going to get a double team on somebody else otherwise. My expectation. You will see more of it than you've seen in the past, which has been little to none. Um, the three ball, I don't, I, I boy, I'm, I put my over under on attempted threes by Ben Simmons at five for the year. <laughs> but that, that's attempts, not that's attempts, not makes, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, but like in terms of like I, what you need is somewhere between 12 and 15, 16 feet for him. You need to yeah. for him to put them up semi consistently. That way it changes the look of the defense and it, and it helps out the offense tremendously. John Johnson from 94 WIP and KYW News Radio joining us uh, talking Sixers, and we'll get a Phillies question in here in a couple minutes. But, uh, John, realistically, I think everybody has the East as a two-horse race between Milwaukee and the Sixers. Um, part one, is that correct? And part two, on paper, I would still think Milwaukee has the edge. How big is the gap? Uh, part one. Yes, it's a two-horse race. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's other teams. You could, you know, there's some dark horses. You could say Indiana or um, uh, or Orlando, maybe even Detroit. But no, hands down, it is the Sixers. It is the Milwaukee Bucks. They are one and two. Uh, and the, I would bet any amount of money those will be the two teams, barring injury, of course, the two teams that face in the Eastern Conference Final. Milwaukee is the better team. Um, Antetokounmpo is that X factor. Now they lost Malcolm Brockton, but they still have a very good roster. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the Greek freak has had his way with Al Horford in the playoffs. And he's had his way many, many times with Joel Embiid. So a lot, you know, you've seen this in any sport. A lot of times you build your roster around who you're going to face in the playoffs. That one 
team where you need that one X factor. You know, if we can, you know, if we can acquire this guy when this matchup comes, I think we can, you know, topple them. Right. And I, Milwaukee's the better team I have right now. I don't have the Sixers beating the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Granted, it's still October. Uh, but there is a slight edge to Milwaukee, but the Greek freak, I mean, he's, he's everything to them and, you know, he can have his way with any Sixer. John, when we last saw this team, the guy who had the ball in his hands, most of crunch time was Jimmy Butler. Who's no longer here. How is that going to, you know, obviously it's got to change. It's got to be somebody else. How do you see that playing out? Because it's almost like Jimmy was the guy at the end of the season, whether we want to admit it or not, and now he's somewhere else. And will you know who that guy will be before May, to be honest? This has been the big question that I've been wondering myself, uh, you know, up until this point. Uh, Tobias Harris, now that he has this new contract, has been very vocal um, and, and trying to become a big uh, a team leader and uh, both on and off the court. And you know, he has said you know, that he would love to be that guy late in games. Uh, but he also said it's very possible we'll just ride the hot hand at the moment and try to get them the ball when that moment comes. You know, anybody on the starting five can be that go-to guy. They really can. So they're all capable uh, of delivering depending on where they are on the floor. Uh, we all know Embiid would love the ball late. He can be a ball hog at times, uh, but he, somebody like Al Horford will have to settle him down. I, Tobias Harris was just given a contract. This is why he is here. You know, he has to be the guy that hits that because he can shoot from anywhere on the floor. He's tall enough. He has speed. He has that length. He has to be the guy to show why he's worth $180 million to be that go-to guy late in games. And quite frankly, the pressure should be on him. He's very, he's a professional. He's a great all-around guy. He does so much for charity. He's, he's a great teammate, a role model and all that. But in the end, you're paid to deliver in that game in the moment. And what we've seen of him as a sixer to this point has been a guy who, when he's hot, he's, he's good. When he's cold, my goodness, he's terrible. And he can be a revolving door defensively. He's working on that to become at least an average defender. But in the end, this is what you paid him for. And if the Sixers are to make get past Milwaukee and be in the NBA Finals, guys like Tobias Harris have to come through in the clutch. So I'm going to go with Tobias. See, and John, this, and this is one thing I'll say. For this team to be as great, maybe not this year, but at whatever point it is, for them to be that team, Simmons has to have the – and I'm not saying take the shot. I don't mean that, although he could do that. Something. It has to be Simmons' game at some point. And last year he was too willing, and I understand why, to just let Jimmy be almost the guy with the ball in his hands, whether he was going to shoot it, make a play. I think at some point in the evolution of this group, Ben Simmons has to be in control of what happens, whether he's getting it to Embiid, getting it to Tobias – going to the rim himself, whatever, I just think that has to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen. I think it will at some point. But I think he has to be he has to be an all-star. You know, he has to be yeah. that guy. Yeah. No, no, I totally agree with you, Mike. He has to be that guy. He, he, you know, he can be the floor general and be the point guard and all. But at a certain point, you know, if you want to separate yourself and be the guy, be the team, you know, be a player that can – hoist your team into the NBA finals and hopefully a Larry O'Brien trophy. This is that these are the moments that you count on that we haven't seen from Ben Simmons yet. You have to seize control in that moment. Jimmy Butler was 
he didn't have any faith that Ben Simmons uh, would come through in the moment. That's why he ended up controlling the ball. And Brett Brown had no faith in Ben doing it either because Ben was unwilling to shoot if he was left wide open. That's why Jimmy would take control and it would end up being four on five late in the game because Ben Simmons had he didn't scare anybody because they would just leave him wide open. So, yeah, I agree with you. Ben has to step up and and deliver in crunch time in order for this team to go where they should go. Which leads to the final question on the Sixers, John, which is, look, they sold out last year to go get Harris, to go get uh, Butler. Could they do that again at the deadline if they see, I'll throw a name out there, he's going to be a free agent and all that, like DeMar DeRozan is going to be available by you know San Antonio. Could they make a trade like that work? a trade for a shooter if that's their hmm. biggest need um i don't know it wouldn't be someone of a top tier like that a right. superstar a player you know you know how it goes the season starts out a certain way and you see where you need to fill in the holes and i think shooter will continue to be one of those holes that needs to be filled throughout the season then you have the buyout market which i mean if you're a real contender you're really not looking at that you're looking for that key piece to fill in the gap yeah um it's entirely possible. Yeah, I would think it is. And I mean, it would depend on cap room and all that. I get it. It would be cap room and all that. And the Sixers have, you know, I've someone like Zaire Smith, who we brought up at the beginning of this conversation. He's a guy who's young enough, who's raw enough. I don't know the type of value he has, but I can see them trading a player like him and draft picks or another player to acquire a shooter. I mean, the the Sixers should be all in for this year. There is no, Oh, we're going to work. We're going to, you know, see how things play out and maybe look, shoot for next year. No, no, no. It's this year. Brett Brown's in his seventh season. He's the second longest tenured head coach in 76ers history now. This is the year. You have a roster. You, you went all out on Tobias Harris, on Ben Simmons, on Joel Embiid. You way overpaid for Al Horford. Uh, this is the year. You ha- It's put up or shut up time. You have to get to the NBA Finals at the bare minimum to say Brett Brown should be the head coach in 2020. Is it wrong that I, I'm trying to draw a blank on who has been there longer than probably Billy, right? Cunningham? Oh, Billy, the Billy Cunningham. Uh, he tied Billy Cunningham. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, all it wasn't time. that much. Who, who's yeah. first? first? I'm trying to remember who's first. Darn it. Al- I had it in the top of my head. Not Al- Alex Hannum. Not Larry. No, it wasn't uh, Larry. It'll, it'll come to me in a minute. Um, I should know. Yeah. All right. Speaking of coaches slash managers. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. One thing before you go. John, so you're saying what you just said is if they don't make the NBA Finals, you don't you're not sure Brett Brown should be the coach. I that is exactly what I'm saying. Wow. They need to make this team okay. is built. This team is built to win right now. The window is now. Brooklyn may have Kevin Durant, but he's not playing. Right. Brooklyn's right. gonna. You know, this is your window. It's a two team race. So East Eastern East Conference. Finals, Eastern Finals, uh, seven game loss or well, there's you know there's whatever caveats you can throw right, in. Anything, but I'm just right? saying. But what John's. I, I, look, I respect John's down there every day. Right. He's saying finals. That That's a bold yeah, statement. I, I'm not saying it's unrealistic. They, just saying it's a bold statement. Yeah, it, 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 simply getting to the Eastern Conference finals is no longer like, hey, pat on the back. I can't wait to give you an extension. No, no, no. This okay. team is made to go to the NBA finals this year, and that, that should be the expectation. Remember, they were Fair a triple joint, uh, a triple doink away from uh, – Beating the eventual world champions. Last well, year. if Embiid didn't miss two games in a series or whatever, they might have yeah. won the series. All right, before we let you go, John, uh, are you, are you feeling Joe Girardi is the next Phillies manager on Thursday? Boy, oh boy! By all impressions, uh, yeah, by all indications, it seemed like he certainly impressed more than any other. I, you know, we've gone, we've talked about this many times, Kev, about John Middleton, and 
you know, him essentially wanting to be, uh, Steinbrenner. And now that we kind of have him, he overrode the front office and got rid of the manager and made changes within the roster and the coaching staff. And, you know, although he claimed Matt Klintak is leading this search, no, this is all John Middleton. I mean, you had very few, few candidates and they're all veteran managers who've been around and back. Um, I know that Klintak and McPhail would love to have Buck show Walter and that will work on the short term and flame out very quickly. Um, Joe Girardi is no doubt the fan favorite and John Middleton's going to listen to the fans. It's a question of whether he wants to go over the top money wise to get him here. And if he wants to keep, you know, fannies in the seats on the immediate Joe Girardi is the only one of those options that would keep fans interested until, you know, that would want them to continue. That will, he's the only option where fans will continue to purchase tickets. The other two, they'd say, I'm just going to wait until you can prove it to me. And the other thing is you might keep him away from going to the Mets. And if Girardi went to the Mets, that wouldn't be good. That wouldn't play yeah. well here. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, quite honestly, you know, the uh, four other teams and this three other teams, the Mets, obviously the Nationals, the Mets um, and the Braves are all better than the Phillies. But, they but- have... No, but no, but John, here's what I keep coming back to. And I don't disagree with you. And I don't even, I, I would say Girardi is the better pick over Showalter. And I, I love Buck, but you're right. It would be a, it would be a flame out kind of thing. And I think there would be front office tension after a while, but it leads to the point you would overrule your general manager and your president for a fourth time in a calendar <laughs> year. Why yeah. then would they be here? Because somebody uh, has is, to. I, 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 it's a very good question, guys. That I don't have the answer to. Everything that this is leading towards is uh, what you see everywhere else. We say, boy, that organization is so dysfunctional. You know, the owner shouldn't be, or the CEO or managing partner, whatever you want to call Middleton. You know, he hires guys to do the job for him. He shouldn't be meddling in these affairs. And, and this just leads to dysfunction because then you have a manager who doesn't agree with the front office, and the front office gets fired. They come in, they don't like the manager, and then it's a cycle over and over and over again of complete dysfunction. Yeah, but I see. I think if Girardi's the guy, I think nobody will care. It, it, because they would have gotten the guy that everybody wants, rightly or wrongly. You don't think? No, no I'm saying, do you think Clentac and McPhail will care? I don't care what Clentac and McHale fare. He hired Kapler. It didn't work for whatever reasons. Middleton has the money. He can do whatever the heck he wants. There's other organizations where I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or whatever, but if you're going to over, if your guys won't shut Buck for, for the sake of argument, and your guy wants Girardi, I think it's Middleton's right to say, and then he can do whatever he wants with Clentac and McPhail down the road, or just say, hey, guys, live with it. You know, yeah, I, I, be- I, th- I think we're making too much out of it. It doesn't matter who makes the decision or whose feelings are hurt, as long as it's the right guy. If Girardi's the right guy, Plus, you keep him away from a division opponent that might, may or may not be better than you. I don't care who. I don't care if I make the decision. It it, it doesn't matter. I, I we're reading so much into this. Well, what's that mean for Clintac? I don't care what it means for Clintac. Deal with it. <laughs> okay. Really, it'll I'm just be, saying. Go ahead, John. It'll be wild to see, Mike, because uh, you know the whole question mark was, boy, this front office really doesn't like somebody who's yeah. going to give them any kind of pushback. And Girardi, who's highly analytical, is someone who will still voice his opinion. And mm-hmm. someone who is hired would be hired by the owner of the team. 
he's someone that can tell the front office, no, 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 that we're not going to do it like this because I think we should do it like this. And there's nothing the front office will be able to do about it because he can go straight to the owner. Bottom line, if they win, it won't matter. If they don't win, then it'll be a point of contention. It's, it's yeah. like any other thing but, in life. But the sliding scale here, I, I, hold on, the sliding scale is who will pay with their job? Kevin, if, you're the only person that seems to care about. I don't oh, care I don't what think happens. I'm the only one. But, but I don't care what happens to Matt Klintak. Why is why do I care about if, and, if Matt Klintak's my no. general manager or somebody else replaces him? And, and John, back me up on this though. It's not a matter of what's happening to Matt Klintak. It's when you have to go replace Matt Klintak. The next person you may want to bring into that role, looking at what the the owner is meddling and doing. So, so you know, maybe get some guy, or you get some guy who's just willing to work because <laughs> I, I just think we're making. John, am I wrong? This is the it's, fear is 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 getting rid of Clentac. You, you, you always get general manager who may not care, may butt heads with Girardi again, and the owner steps in again. It, it, it can lead to dysfunction. Hopefully not, but you can see, uh, you know, the tea leaves at times where this can happen. And, and everybody thinks Clentac ain't the right guy anyway. So what do I care what happens to him? I mean, yes, there's always going to be somebody who's going to be willing to work for that owner, whether you think so or not. And maybe it's not your A choice. If Girardi wins 93 games next year, nobody's going to care. I don't understand what's so hard to comprehend about that. If it all falls apart (laughs) in two years, and I don't think it's going to fall apart with Joe Girardi. That's why you're hiring Joe Girardi. (laughs) It's like, okay, Clintac's feelings will be hurt. Maybe he'll leave. And then you have to go out and get somebody else. And maybe the guy coming in is going to have to come in with the understanding that my oh oh by the way the guy who paid three hundred thirty million dollars to get me this the best free agent on the market that's a problem. If Clintex yeah, moves, if Clintex moves were so good, you're always sitting here telling me about how he's made all these bad moves. And what do I care about, Matt? I'm Klintex? not saying it for that reason. I know Mike. why you're I'm saying, saying it, Kevin. It that I believe <laughs> I believe you aren't a reputation. Look, I believe in this game more than any other. You earn a reputation. As a dysfunctional franchise. And when you earn it, it's awful tough to shake it. So then let Clentac hire the guy. And if he does what John says and hires Buck, and two years from now, Buck's worn himself out, what has that accomplished? If everybody thinks that Joe Girardi is the right guy for the job, and I'm not saying that's, but I'm saying if most people think that, and Matt Clentac is one of the few that doesn't because he has a ties with Buck, I over I've, I override him. I don't, that's me. You yeah, go we'll get see. the I best mean, guy. If everybody yeah, thinks right. Joe Girardi's the best guy, I don't care how you get him. Just get him. What is yeah, so we'll hard see. to comprehend right. about that? Joe Joe Girardi is the is the choice that everybody would want. So hopefully that will be the case, and then we'll ride it from there. It'll, yeah. it'll keep us interested versus you know the other two options where you're kind of you know half hearted. Oh, all right, well, we'll see how this goes. Girardi would bring your spirits up again. You just play it out from. And then they'll have to go find starting pitching, which will be the biggest obstacle they have. Yeah, this they'll get somebody. We might not like who they get, yeah, man. They'll get somebody <laughs> with a pulse. Garrett, Garrett Cole uh, coming, off gonna... a, coming off a World Series Game 6 loss. Yeah. Uh, John, I appreciate you staying on the line and listening to us scream at one another. So. Yeah, which, uh, <laughs> That's what it's for. It's, it's debate. So, so if we do the Northeast pizza thing, are you in? Yeah, of course I'm in. But you think we should... We ha- see. I don't think we can do it as a show, though. Oh, I think we could do it. No, you can. But John's right. You can talk about it as a show, but to actually go eat the pizza, 
I if you bring eight pizzas here, I, I agree with John. I don't think no, it, no, I don't it think that works. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 something we'll have to figure something. We'll figure out. something yeah, out. The, when you put it in the cardboard box, we'll make sure every one of them has a. Everything. We'll make sure every one of them has a Pizza City oven in the back of a oh, truck. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then we'll call Domino's and tell them now you left the topping <laughs> off. You got to bring me another. No, 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 no. We what we should do is we'll take like a week or two. It might take. And we'll go, you know, when we can make it, we'll go one pizza place, one, or maybe we'll go two or three places in a night. And like John said, get it hot, get it fresh. And then we come on here and, and we just, you know, we make our little notes or copious notes like Ray does. And we talk about it. I don't think we have to actually be eating and munching while we're here. <laughs> I don't know. John Johnson, 94 WIP. Stay good, man. KYW News uh-huh. Radio. Enjoy, enjoy. You're going to have a busy 48 hours between the Sixer opener on Wednesday night and then a, perhaps a Phillies press conference on Thursday. So yeah, it should be a wild uh, couple days. Hey, let's with it. Yeah, listen, it's not work. I just have to stay awake for it. That's a, how do you stay awake? By the way, uh, you know how it is. I, you find naps here and there. You know how it goes, Kev. You, you get erratic schedules, but yeah, there's moments where you know. I, in my in my other life, I was in contracting, so. You know, I think back, I'm like, all right, my knees don't hurt this morning. My back doesn't hurt this morning. You know, I'm not breathing in crap all day long. Yeah. What am I complaining about? You have an, you just swig a five hour energy and just get going. Oh, right? don't do that. Don't no, do no, no, that. no. Don't I'm do a, that. No, I, I, I just have coffee IV'd in at this point. Oh, okay. John Johnson, <laughs> thanks for joining See us. See you guys. See you, John. John Johnson joining us. Good guy. John is a good guy. Well, most of the guys, all the guys. A lot of guys in our profession are good guys. Good there, guys. There's not many. I hate, yeah, I know. I hate you. <laughs> but there's not many. You think of all the guys we've dealt with over the years. I'll be honest. And, and you know, How many did you really walk into a room and go, oh, my God, Mike's here? Jeez. I mean, uh, really, there's not, a few. But, but not a lot. When you, when you think about all the guys in, all, in cities we go to, and, and you know, most of them were really, you wanted to be around them. Oh, I know. You know. Uh, I will say, you know, and I did the Tolly impression. Tolly is one of my fascinating people of all time. In what respect? One, uh, the fall that that happened. Yeah. That that's fascinating to me. Two, he was always Mister Positive, and he still is, and he still is. I would love to get Tolly on. Like when we hit like a slow part, maybe you know, the thing, the one. A thing that I read, and I, I've never asked Don about. I've seen Don, and I feel kind of weird around him sometimes because I don't know, you know, what do you say? You know, and he's doing a lot of volunteer work yeah, now, is. and he's very spiritual, and I get it. But what they said was that, you know, when he was making a lot of money, mm-hmm. and he got used to that, yeah, and then wasn't making a lot of money, which happens to a lot of us. Right. And then that's how he couldn't deal with it. But it just sounds like what happened was somebody who had basically just lost their mind. You know, it, it, it there was got no caught rat- in a frenzy. It was it the, wasn't the rational. and yeah, like you would sell people Super Bowl packages and not have them. I mean, that doesn't sound no. like he was thinking no. it through. He was, you know, but you know, yeah, because you're going to get caught at some point. If you're a rational human being, uh, you realize on something like that, you're we all get we caught. all have things in our closet, Kevin. And, you know, and but, I mean, but Don, Don, you know what? I would like to talk to Don down the road. Hey, I'm I'm sure Don. I just don't want it to become preachy. Well. I mean, yeah. Exploitive? No, I mean, maybe some people aren't familiar with the story. I'm not sure I'm familiar with all of it. Um, but I just, 
I almost prefer to remember Don how he was. If that sounds stupid, I don't mean it to be. No. Because he didn't die. You know, he, no. he's But because he, he was that kind of caricature, fun-loving, good guy. Yeah. You know, and, and we kind of made fun sometimes because it was a little over. But he, he was. I mean, he, he you know, he's, like you said, he was so positive and Right. And, and um, part of I mean, Gary Papa was the, the you know they, 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 yeah. no it wasn't him and Gary it was him and um, Scott Palmer and Gary no yeah. no, no no but yeah. it, many 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 years ago at ABC it was it was Don Jim Lampley Jim Lampley they were the original kind of sideline guys and and they both went on to you know big things bigger things and um, yeah um, speaking of which as we segue uh, big things going on at Novacare Complex. Big controversy. Um, all right, your your snap reaction two days later. Where are the Eagles at this point as they had the Buffalo? Well, it, look, it doesn't look good when, when you lose like that on the heels of losing like that at Minnesota. Um, I would say this. I was thinking about this before the season started. Mm-hmm. If you had told me they were going to be four and three after seven games, I would have looked at you and said, "Okay, that's." That's very possible. You know, not saying they're going to be, but they had trips to Green Bay, trips to Atlanta, who we thought was going to be better. They beat them. Trip Dallas. to Dallas and a trip to Minnesota. Okay. You could lose three of those games. You might not. But it goes back to me, Kevin, to all, and this is why I love what we, I hate what we do sometimes. Everybody four months ago, a lot of people were telling me that this team's more talented than the team that won the Super Bowl. And I'm like, oh, come on. And I, look, I fell into it a little bit. I, I think they were one of the three or four best teams in the NFC coming into, and they still could be. There's a lot of season left, but so where did we go wrong? Like, so now I'm hearing that their depth isn't good. This isn't good. That isn't good. The receiver. Well, why weren't people saying this three months ago? Because because we don't. If they win this week, which they could, I'm not saying they will, and then beat the Bears. They're five and They're four. They're five and four. And and I'm not saying Which that is means, where a lot of people would add them around but, anyway. But I'm just saying is, well, I think a lot of people probably have them six and three, but you're yeah, in the ballpark. They're in the ballpark. And the season is not over. I, last year they were four and six. They went to New Orleans and got crushed. So let's see what happens. I'm not sure they're good enough. I, I'm I'm you know, there's one thing I know for certain. For this season to be for them to make the playoffs, they're they're going to have to beat Dallas here in December. Because yeah. you can't lose that game, I wouldn't think, barring something And I think else. before you before you get to Dallas, and before you get to that stretch at the end, the, the five straight at the end where I, I think everybody would say, even under the worst of conditions, they probably should win th- at least four, okay? Well, the Cowboy game is the one that you yeah. want to say they... Right. right. Um, they may have to pick off a win here that you don't expect them to win to kind of get... Well, they probably have to win two of the three at home. And yeah. New England's one of them, right? Or yeah. New- so you're going to have to beat Chicago and Seattle. See, I think they see, and this is where I'm. Chicago's but a I winnable think if game. they beat New England three, four weeks, five weeks from now, whenever it is, it wouldn't be the biggest upset in the history of the world as as they're playing now. It would be. Yeah, you're saying well, but I'm just saying they'll they'll probably be and they'll have two weeks to prepare for that game. I'm so. guessing they'll be a slight underdog. I don't think they're going to be like a seven, eight point underdog at home. I could be wrong. I think they'll probably be a three or four point underdog. I would go six or five. I don't. That's a lot on the road in the NFL, especially if the Eagles have beaten or five and four at that point or, or whatever. Depends if New England has lost before then. I don't care what New England's done. New England's New England. Their defense is great. Mm-hmm. Okay, Belichick is great. Brady, the offense, you know, they went out and got a wide receiver today. 
But but I think this game is going to show, tell you a lot about the Eagles. Not that the season's still not over. If they, but here's a game. It's basically a pick 'em game. Buffalo's playing pretty well. They're they did not play great on Sunday. They, Buffalo doesn't play great. No, but they seem like they play well enough. And up there, it's your third straight right. road Tra- game. Trailed in the fourth quarter against the Dolphins. The we should Eagles, point out the Eagles have trailed by double, double digits, digits in six, F- six of the seven. You can't play football like that. And the and the seventh was against Luke. Falk. And I really thought I really thought last week they were going to come back and make it a game. I, I when it was fourteen seven, kind of like they did against Minnesota a little bit. When it was fourteen seven and they got the ball back after stopping this. And here's another thing, and this this grates at me. So last year, how many times did we hear Doug doesn't run the ball enough? Okay, now he runs it too much. That's and I'm saying so, and I'm not saying that was the right call on third and four. I'm not. I don't mean it that way. But if Doug had come out in that series and thrown it three times, three incompletions, or they didn't get the first down, somebody would have asked him at the press conference, "Hey, Doug, he came out and threw three times." I. It's like you can't satisfy anybody. And the bottom lines, if it works, everybody's happy. If it doesn't, and how can you not target Ertz? Until well, the third quarter? I'll be honest. I don't think the head coach has had a good year at this point. And I yeah, think the that head the coach game- is 20 and 21. If you throw out 2017, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't say that he stinks. I, he won a Super Bowl. Uh, but, but their game plans the last two years have been awful. Well, and they're old. They're not young. They're, oh. This is a team that's, that's kind of built to win. They, they built their team to win last year because they wanted to go for it again. And I don't fault them for that. Mike, I think the most disturbing thing to me, fairly or not, is, and we talked about this a little bit last week when we had uh, Zach on, Berman. Uh, you know, last year it took to the end of the season for the, for the little back sniping comments about uh, Carson Wentz to come out. This year it takes the week six. I mean... And whether you believe Alshon Jeffrey, as Howard Eskin reported, was the mole to Justina Anderson or not or whatever, you know, this team, some of the stuff that really disturbed me was the way that they handled themselves last week and then after the game on Sunday. The Lane Johnson comment about, you know, well, guys are showing up late and all that. You know, now, you know, people are wondering what the hell Lane Johnson's talking about. And it, it, the the way they handled themselves is what I think is alarming because it gives the impression. It's what happens when you lose. It's what happens when you lose. But it gives. Now, which the, came first? The chicken or the egg? You know, did, did these things happen and then they lost? How big an issue do you think it is? I don't know, Kevin. I, I, I'm i not in the locker room. I, I, I'd be purely guessing. I, What I'm saying is, do, were these things happening in week two, three, four, and five so that in week Seven, they lost a game, or week six, they lost a game. Week seven, I don't have the answer. I, but this is what happens when teams lose. Stuff like this happens. Carson's not playing like an MVP candidate. We saw him do it a couple years ago. You know, they got to eleven and two with him. So and he got really skittish after the strip stack uh, in the, I, in the first quarter. I think one of the problems with this team, even last year, to a certain degree, is they. I think as John Cheney used to say. They're guilty of smelling themselves. And I really think it's like we won the Super Bowl. Well, okay, you did, and it was awesome, and it was great. New England wins Super Bowls like every other year, and you never see this happen. And I'm not trying to compare them to New England because you can't compare anybody to New England. But the Super Bowl was, you know, that's 
that's a memory now. I mean, it's 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 not that far off. But you know, you you're right back to being one of those teams, and right now you're not even one of the best five or six teams in your conference. Um, that would be disturbing to me because you gave Carson the money. Now, what happens if, if let's say this year they they end up eight and eight or right nine seven don't make the playoffs? What do you do in the offseason? Like, like, where do you start? It isn't like you're going to go out and draft guys next year that are going to come in probably and make an immediate right. impact anyway. Even if Because you, you can't, you know, you mentioned 20 and 21 without the Super Bowl. You're, you're not flushing the head coach. Oh, no, no. Now, could you change coordinators? That's, I don't know. I mean, they the, the defensive coordinator won the Super Bowl too, even though he gave up, you know, you can make the argument he only gave up seven points to Minnesota in the title game. And thirty three and thirteen the, to no, but thirteen to Atlanta in the game before that. I don't care what happened in the Super Bowl. Yes, Tom Brady threw for five hundred, but they won. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, but uh, but they're also like you know, Ashon Jeffries got a big cap number if he if he go a different way next year. Aguilar's Aguilar's got a, lot a big of money. Yeah, Aguilar's got a big dead 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 cap yeah. money. Um, Kelsey, they they have a ton of. That's what I just. Said and two years ago, and this is where their failures in drafting have really haunted them. Yeah, well, didn't hurt them two years ago. I mean, I'm just saying. It, 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 yes, I I agree with you. Two years ago, they won in large part because they got to the quarterback rushing four guys, and Schwartz didn't have to blitz. He didn't, he, and he, he could rotate guys and do and what out. he did. Right? They don't get to the quarterback no, now. They don't. They've got an injury to Malik um, Jackson. Jackson. They've got an injury to Jernigan. How much those two, you know, you, you talk about guys they signed a lot of money. Graham, they gave Graham a, they have no linebackers to speak of. And I keep hearing that, well, linebackers aren't real important in Jim's. Okay, fine. What I'm saying is I think a lot of their problems, and you can look at coordinator, is personnel. I don't think they're that good. You know, they, they, they're paying Cox a lot of money because that's what happens. You, you, you play. I don't think... I'm not saying he's bad, but did, he, he ain't what he was. Did they get overly sentimental? You got to sign him. What, what? It's like when the Philly signed Ryan Howard. Well, forget, they, forget, forget Fletcher Ryan, Cox. I'm just saying, uh, Graham didn't have to sign. No. Uh, they didn't. Um, uh, they drafted Arkea Whiteside to, in theory, replace Jeffrey next year and then suddenly give Je- Jeffrey a contract extension. I look. And look, did the Deshaun injury hurt? Sure. And he might not play the whole year, but that's what happens when you sign a 32-year-old guy who, by the way, hadn't played a full season like since he left the Eagles. And you brought Vinny Curry back. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I can't answer because I think last year, coming off the Super Bowl, I think their intent was, we're going to try to win it again, which is fine. I'm not knocking that. Carson was hurt. There was a problem there. You know, Carson wasn't Carson. He may never be that Carson we saw two years ago again. I, I don't know this. But, you know, so you have that playing. And, and should the quarterback be playing better? Yeah. But the, the things around them aren't, you know. Did you come around? Now, the line was you and I talked about. You and I talked about that last week. And you said, hey, look, you know, you still viewed that well, you had a I lot think, of weapons coming Je- in. I think Jeffries is a weapon. I think Ertz is a weapon. I think the other tight end is a weapon. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to hear that they have no weapons. I'm just saying is, you know, there's that last year. Jordan Howard, Miles, uh, Miles Sanders. I was never sold. I mean, Jordan Howard's good. Don't don't get me wrong. But when they bought Jordan Howard in, it was like, 
oh my God, we got Emmett Smith. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, he, well, he's gained more yards than eight. Well, there's a reason the Bears let him go. And his average carry went down each of the last three years. Now, I'm not saying he's not good. Or the best running back option at this and, point. And Sanders obviously has things. He seems like he's almost a better receiver mm-hmm. than he, which is fine. Uh, you know, Aguilar, I think, why they brought him back, I, I, I don't know. I didn't get that because I think he is what he is. He'll make play like against the Falcons. He made a couple plays that game. Yeah. And then you're going to have, you know, two weeks ago, I don't even think he was targeted. Like, or was it two weeks ago? Or th- they, they hardly even threw to him. How about the, uh, and, and one final like point on this, flipping it to the defensive side. In back-to-back weeks, you've released somebody that you brought in here yeah. and who started the week before. Both in Orlando Scandrick and Zach Brown, Sidney Jones doesn't play one snap. And last Doug week. doesn't enter any question about it, which I I don't fault him, but that tells me more than he could ever tell me with an answer. They asked him like four times, yeah, and the answer he, he just won't answer. I mean, I don't know. It, it they took a chance to, on Sidney Jones in the second round because he would have been the number nine pick in the draft. That's what it amounts to. It's but, not going to work. But do out. you play him now? I don't know. I'm assuming if a guy doesn't play, he's, and not, he's not on the injury report. He's not better than the than guys who are playing. You know, people used to, when, when I'd be covering like Villanova or something or, or whatever, and people say, well, why isn't that guy playing? I'm going, don't you think Jay Wright's in practice every single day, seeing what this guy's doing? Let, you know, last year with the freshman, the freshman yeah. report. No, they're, they're, he obviously, whatever he's doing in practice ain't. It ain't working. It ain't working. And. And here's the other thing, the, the one thing, like you said about all the, the things. When, and I understand what Doug was doing last week when he went on WIP and said, hey, my guys are going to go down there and win a game. And I understand why a coach, maybe he shouldn't have said it out loud, but okay, so he does. Doesn't the team have to kind of rally around him? I mean, because I always thought these guys put it out there for Doug. That was mm-hmm. the one thing I always. That's Not that's, last week. I mean, and I understand. You, you get the two early turnovers, it makes it tough. You know, but you still it was fourteen seven, and you got the ball back. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like it was you know out of reach. And, then. and I even will go that the one turnover, the Goddard fumble comes after a awful flag pickup on the pass interference that they decide. Ah, eh, now it's not pass interference. When yeah, then again, when, the, Jeff, when Jeffrey gets mugged, and then oh look, then again the drive they scored, they got two Dallas penalties. Yeah, both deserved. I mean, they both they were stupid on Dallas's part. I, I don't. Yeah, look, yeah, you you can play that game a million. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying. So, like, so it wouldn't have happened if they. When you get back to fourteen seven and you've had one bad thing, yeah. You know, when you've had two bad things, fourteen seven, and you, you the should ball. feel like you have survived the storm. And they went three and out. And they went three and out. And and look, it's football. The Cowboys are trying too. I mean, it's, it's, and the Cowboys had guys go out during the game too. Good players, the the linebacker. But yeah, it, it just, is fair to wonder. And this is a totally different. Cowboys have five players listed as questionable going into the game. All five played. Yeah, well, okay. So what? Teams don't seem to have the lingering ish, in, injury issues that the Eagles do. And there's always been questions about their medical staff. I, I'm not getting in that. Can, can, I think that's something they have to look at. But we don't know. That's a sports science thing. But we don't know. One guy's a 32-year-old guy with an abdominal. He might not play the rest of the year for all I know. I, I, I hear people on talk radio like questioning them. Well, you know, if he really, you know, if he was, it was don't you think if he could have played, he would have played? I mean, or maybe he made a mistake by not getting surgery. I don't know, 
but he's 32 years old with an abdominal, and he hasn't played 16 games in six years. So this is like what you buy into. But I will say this. If they lose this week, and once again, the season would not be over. because They'd have to go 7-1 and one the second but, half. But I wonder how many three. Now, Dallas was 3-5 and five last year. Came here, won a game, won the division. So it can be done, but it just don't want to put yourself in that spot. It's it's the, it's the way that they're losing. It's it's just it, the last two weeks have not looked good. You know, you you lose what two games by three touchdowns each? Was it? Or, yeah. Um, and these are the direct competitors you're going to have to go beat. But I guarantee you, if they win the next two and they're five and four, everybody will be right back. They'll be playing New England. Is that? Well, they had the bye, and then they go right. down. Okay. And be five and England. four hosting New England, coming off a bye. And I guarantee you, even if New England's unbeaten at that point, which I don't know, they've got games coming up too, I guarantee you everybody here will be saying, well, you know, the Eagles got a shot. And maybe it's the NFL, everybody's got a shot. But people will be back into the Eagles mode. If they're four and five playing that game, yeah, they're probably just saying, well, it's, it's our last shot to see Tom Brady. Well, because if you have five losses and you lose to New England, you got six. Yep. I mean, I guess if you if you if you won out, which given their last five games, I mean, goofy things could happen because their last five games. You know what the worst case scenario for this franchise would be? And I, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Nine and seven missed the playoffs. Get like a twentieth pick as opposed as opposed to what you'd rather see him go six and I, I hate that argument. I'm just saying I, no 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 no. So so be, instead of picking twentieth, I'm going to pick fourteenth. Really, and that's going to get me like that's better for me. It's better to see my quarterback get pounded. It's better to see me lose to the Giants and the Redskins maybe. Well, but no, we'll get a higher draft. Can, but we'll get a higher draft pick. No 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 no. You know, you, here's a great stat for you, and I got another great stat. New England hasn't had a draft pick in the top 20 of their own. Now, maybe, maybe another team. They've traded up. But they've yeah. traded up. And yet, they're, because they've got Belichick and they've got Brady, mm-hmm. and they fill in around that. But here's the great stat, because the World Series is starting tonight. Do you know this is the first decade the Yankees since the 1910s? The, the Yankees did not make the World Series. At least one World Series. Yep. That's... That was before Babe Ruth. That was that, just before that, they got Babe. That even counts the eighties where they got the, one. They got one, which was the strike short in eighty one season. Yeah, you're correct. And they lost. That was the Dodgers. They won the first two games and then lost four straight. Um, but that's an incredible. It is incredible. Incredible stat to me. And the other one is, and, and you know, we sit here as Philly fans and we're like, oh, my God. the Yankees won a hundred games in back to back seasons and didn't make the World Series. And look, it's the Yankees. I'm not. Yeah. Having a pity party for the Yankees, but I'm just saying that's is that like in baseball history has that happened? Back to back hundred win seasons. Braves. I don't know if they won a hundred though. Braves won one hundred and three the year they lost to the Phils. In, right, but did they win like a hundred like the year before that or year after that? I'm. Well, they well, did. They, no, no, ninety two. No. They went to the World Series. No, but they, they them and the, the the Giants had that great. No, that was ninety three. Oh, that was 93. See, I don't know if they won 100 the year before that. Well, they went to the World Series, though, the year before. But the, I, I'm saying, the Yankees won 100 games. Yeah. Over 100. Lost to the Red Sox last year. Right. And lost to... I think that Braves team did win 100, but they did go to the World Series. But so. can you imagine, like, in, in let's say in Philly, 
We won 104 and 100 and whatever they won, 100. And two years in a row, we lost in the ALCS or the NLCS. I mean, well, wow. I mean, I made a comment. I'm not sure I made this comment to you on Twitter. And wasn't it great on, when Altuve hit that ball? Well, and I was just, <laughs> I was just going to say, he, and you know, I know you're going to think I'm overreacting. And Chapman has given up, arguably in this decade, the two biggest postseason home runs in this decade. What was that? One? That one, and the Rajay Davis one in Game no, Seven. No, no, no. It's not the most because they won the game. All right. Yeah, I, I understand. And that was Joe Madden's fault. That was not Chapman's fault because he used him like three innings the night before in a game where he had a six-run lead. Chapman the other night. I don't know what that sequencing was. Oh, the, yeah. two, the 2-0 the slider and you, then the 2-1 slider. You which fall was behind, just, oh you fall behind two and, up, 2 and 0. And you and, and, uh, you and I could have hit that ball out. I, I'll be honest with you, though. It was When Altuve swung at it, I thought it was a little high. Like, like I'm not sure it was a strike. If it was, it was a real it, high strike. It, it, it was a belt high strike. Yeah, no, Altuve, it was it was higher than belt high. Altuve's oh, for as big most as me. people, it's um, but I, I don't think it was like the most horrible pitch I've ever seen. Uh, but if you're trying to go get him chase, go chase in the dirt. You yeah. never chase high. Well, I don't think they wanted to walk him because then you're putting a winning run on second. Yeah, but there's a guy coming up next who would who isn't who's Mar- next? Mar- Marciniak, okay. who was the pinch. Runner for, uh, but I don't think that's how a um, Bradley. I don't think that's how a closer of Chapman's ability, let's say, would think. I don't. I don't think if you're the Yankees, they were sitting there. Maybe, maybe they should have. But I don't think you want to put the the, the potential winning run because then any goofy thing could happen. You know, that you could get a little bloop single, or you get yeah, you know, whatever. Um, but boy, how too? Oh God, did he did he hit that ball? But, and by the way, I you know. Joe Buck gets criticized a lot by people on social media. And Joe Buck's good. I don't care. Joe what Buck's says. call on that was incredible, and all his baseball calls of big moments has have been pretty spot. I'm not saying Joe Buck's the best there ever was, but people, and I think this all goes back to he's rooting against the Eagles. I hear yeah, that 150. You know what, people, shut up. If Chris Collinsworth says one bad thing about, it, oh, you know, Chris Collinsworth is rooting for Dallas, please. Please, please, don't final, want to hear it. Final point. Uh, one. I got one more for you. Okay. One. Uh, this is college sports. Okay. One. Boy, Penn State. Uh, James Franklin got away with some stuff last week. They almost blew a twenty-one point lead, but they won the game. They won the game. They're going to probably win out until they play uh, Iowa State. Who else do they have? Well, they have Michigan State. Michigan they do State. have to go to Minnesota. Minnesota's not bad. No. And and it's at, yeah. I mean, they'll probably be I'll tell you what, that game point spread wise will be because Minnesota's unbeaten it too, aren't they? Yeah. That game will probably be pretty close to a pick'em. Second thing, the first AP college basketball poll came out. Yeah. Nova's tenth. Nova's tenth. Here's the shocker. Please, though. please. Here's the shocker. Don't put too much stock in any of those polls, please. Michigan State, Kansas, Kentucky, and Duke are one for the four. You know, college basketball is starting. I know we've had Texas Tech made the final game last year. I, I understand. The tournament is a totally different thing than what the rankings are. Virginia, by the way, picked fifth in the ACC. Well, they lost a lot. A lot, yeah. But I, it was funny. I emailed Mike Jensen, texted him, and I just said, Mike, you know, if, if Villanova is the 10th team in the country, and I thought Mike made a fair point. He said, right now, no, but that's just based on, you know, all the things. He goes, but he thinks by the end of the year, 
if the, if the freshman plays, the one freshman who I think yeah. is out now, because um, the other freshman looks like he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, he thinks they have a, like a shot to be a Sweet 16 team. And we should more point- so than last year, which I thought was a little weird. But and we should also point out that I think they were picked second in the Big East. Yeah, behind um, Seton Hall. Well, Seton Hall and um, Xavier are both like they were like twelfth and fifth and nineteenth. Yeah. So I mean, look, if Villano, if somebody doesn't beat Villano, and I said this last year, but they had two fifth-year seniors last year, mm-hmm. and they rode them pretty good. I think by the end, by the time they reached the tournament, they were done. They, they, those kids were fried. They had, and we'll talk college basketball later on a, on a deeper scale because it's going to be an interesting year with. Yeah, but I mean, if somebody doesn't beat Villanova this year. In the Big I mean, Five? Oh. No, in 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 in, in the Big, Big East. East. I think they should just stop trying because, you know, how many times is Villanova? Last year was a transition year. This year's a transition year. Uh, they've got some good young players. Um, they don't have any seniors, which yeah, doesn't always mean everything. But what I was going to ask you was, if Joe Girardi is indeed the choice, yep. does that help attract and I know money's always the bottom line. Yeah, but it will. when they're going out looking for whatever they're looking for, this guy with a ring. Yeah, so okay, it should yeah, okay. Money's going to talk, but it should. I mean, a pitcher may. I mean, I'm thinking pitching. I'll, you know, we were fascinated two weeks ago with how they spun the the Kapler press conference, and and mm-hmm. I know that did not turn out well. Okay, I will be really fascinated by if Girardi is announced on Thursday. How they or the press conference would be Thursday. Yeah, probably. the press conference would be Thursday. Oh, okay. I thought they just make the announcement. No, no, no. But it, it, the press conference is Thursday because it's, it's the the travel. Right. Day. I got you. Um, how they spin this one, um, you know, because what it was mean? such a disaster last time. Okay, the the last press conference was such a disaster. Do they keep it's a totally different press conference? Hold on, but do they keep the same people on the stage? Do you try to spin it as? Andy and Matt approved on well, it. Well, and you, John- you really, you won't. No, you, I am. Imp- I'm Kevin. It, if you are announcing Joe Girardi as your manager, why is the third question going to be, well, well, John, whose decision was it? That has not, you hired a guy who won a ring with the Yankees, who is probably the most sought after managerial candidate out there, and you're going to turn it into who made the decision. It doesn't matter who made the decision. It's like when you sign Bryce Harper. You're going to ask Clintac, well, you know, was this John, you know, throwing $330 million? It doesn't matter. You don't have to spin that press conference. Here's Joe Girardi. He won a championship in 2009. You don't think that question is going to be asked, though? Because because there'll be somebody that'll think like you or you'll be there. Uh, Oh, I'm not going to be there if it's Thursday. But but why? So, So because we have to get to the bottom of this. We have to figure out if John Middleton has usurped the authority of Matt Clentak. I don't give a rat. I don't care. It you is, can curse. I don't care. If they were hiring somebody who wasn't Joe Girardi and wasn't Buck Showalter, or, or Showalter and wasn't Dusty Baker, yeah, I'm, I'm... No. Why can't you just let them enjoy that day? Why does it have to be who made the decision? They're going to tell you it was a joint decision. And then you're going to say, well, no, it wasn't. We don't believe you. What? <laughs> why, why do we have to make everything a soap opera? I don't get it. I, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just old. Why does everything have to turn into a soap opera? It's their day. 
They're hiring Joe Girardi. The Mets aren't. The Cubs aren't. We are. And the goal, the, the, the premise is we have him. We think we're going to win a World Series. We're not saying we might win it next year, but at some point we think we're going to win a World Series. That That's how they're going to spin it. And if that question comes up, it's going to be, uh, I consulted, you know, Matt, me, and Andy got together. We're all on the same page. This is the guy we wanted. This is the guy we got. Got to be a better message than they were then on the Kapler press conference. But the Kapler thing is totally different, Kevin. It's a failure press conference. This is not a failure press conference. Or are you going to make it one? I, I don't understand. I'm not going to make it because no, I won't be saying, there. But you're saying it's the same press conference. It's not. One is you're firing a guy. You said this didn't work for whatever reasons. Whether John Middleton went into Clentag and said, I, you might have thought it worked. I didn't think it worked. Fine. This one's a triumphant press conference in that we're hiring. It'd be, it'd be like if the Eagles, you know, had hired, um, I don't know, give me a name of the, the, the former Cowher. Let's say they came in, we hired Bill Cowher. Well, okay. doesn't matter why we fired that guy. It just matters that this guy's coming in. Um, but that's me. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I don't care why. How, what, I just, I do care about the what and the him. If that's going to be your guy, I think that's going to play. That's as good of a play as they can get. And with that. Thank you, Michael. Thursday. Thursday. Hicks. Hicks. Ugh. A football guest. God. Maybe, maybe Joe Girardi. <laughs> this that is would be pretty cool. That would. 